Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. In 1999, the walls of hell cracked, and fallen angels condemned to an eternity in the abyss were suddenly able to flee. With no choice but to come to terms with the decaying remnants of the paradise they helped create, these escaped fallen must now decide whether they will rebuild their masterpiece or burn it to a cinder. Hello and welcome to Demon the Fallen Fragments, a Demon the Fallen game set in Rochester, New York in the year 2001. This story features the character of Azoth, played by Tillman, Erichel, played by Rebecca, Brawlman, played by Adam, and Abathar, played by Slavic. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM, on Facebook at Twin Cities by Night, and on Discord at Twin Cities by Night. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Demon the Fallen Fragments, Session 3. As you may recall, we ended our last session with three of the characters, Erikel, Brawlman, and Abathar, also known as Esme, Lauren, and Lily, on their way to the nearest homeless camp in the city of Rochester in search of a woman named Claire Phillips. Azoth, also known as Oliver, was out of town at a convention in Toronto, where he was hawking snake oil and other, you know, (laughs) herbal supplements and other, you know, liver-destroying compounds. And he is on his way back home and will be arriving very, very shortly. We will begin today's session with Oliver. So, Tillman, you ready? Yep, let's go. All right. So, Oliver is coming in from the west. He is, he has crossed in the early morning hours, into Buffalo, New York, from Canada. And he is taking the New York State Thruway east towards Rochester. As he leaves Buffalo, he has a slight feeling of impending doom, but he can't quite place it. As he gets closer and closer to Rochester, maybe about an hour outside the city, he starts to feel a light pressure in his head. It feels like a mild headache or if someone has turned on TV static, and it's just in his brain, just (laughs) nonstop. It intensifies the closer and closer he gets to Rochester. Pulses a little bit here and there. But eventually, as he enters the city, it starts to settle down into something that's unpleasant but tolerable. The other three demons that you are familiar with have been out of touch with you the entire time you were in Toronto. What do you do as soon as you get back? I think Oliver would head home, or Azov would head to Oliver's home. I'm pretty sure he's still in his uh, off-white suit and just loosened his golden tie. And he totally thinks that's good-looking on him. But he's uh, probably uh, (laughs) eager to get rid of it. What time of day is it right now, by the way? It is about, depending on traffic on the QEW... It's about a four-hour trip from Toronto to Rochester. It takes about an hour and a half to get from Rochester to Buffalo alone. We will say it is probably early afternoon. Okay. So, yeah, his plan is to get home, drop all his things off, probably uh, give a call to um, these... Uh, I forgot. Did we have names for... He had, he had, like, a couple or at least two people helping him uh, with the with the company and uh, 
I think uh, Azov is still very much overwhelmed with this whole business thing, but he understands it's important, kind of. And he just gives everything that he remembers from the meeting in Toronto to to the two people he knows, and they will handle it somehow. That's how it works. Okay. I don't believe we ever gave them names, but as Oliver starts to dial, there's a knock on his door. Um, Azov hangs up the phone. Goes to the door, opens it, and who's there? There's a young woman there holding a fairly large book. And she looks at you, opens the book, leaves through it for just a moment, slaps it shut. So you're Azoth. Azoth closes the door. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Who are you? <laughs> he yells through the, through the closed door. <laughs> So my name my, my name's Jade, but you can also call me Tazaniel. We need to talk. Can I do a roll to find out if I know her demon name specifically? Give it a willpower roll. That's what we've got, okay. gentlemen. Only one success, I think. Okay, yeah. You have sort of a vague memory of her as... Well, she's a fiend. You remember that much. And you remember that she worked with something dealing with fate and how to arrange the fate of mortals and other things. Okay. Uh, Azov opens the door, just a crack, and says, uh, how, did you, uh, how did you find me? Well, I consulted the spheres. Right. Fate business, right? You got it. So you need to not be here right now, because you need to be somewhere else. That sounds an awful lot like not my problem. Except it is your problem, because if you don't go, then really bad things will happen, and they will partially happen to you. But I'm here, and... Ah, oh, look, I hate, I hate this fate stuff. Look, I'm here. I, I made conscious decisions to come here, and... Sort of. Well, no. I'm, I was fully aware of what I'm doing. Are you really sure of that? Yes. Yes, in fact. <laughs> Did you fully intend to wake up in this body after it was murdered? I knew that. <laughs> okay, look, I really don't want to have this conversation. Okay, so it's happening on. a little early. It's happening a little early. I already told the other three this, but it's still happening, and you need to be a part of it. What is it, and who are the others? I don't know what it is yet. I just know that it's happening. Oh, the other three. Oh, yeah, I think I know them. Yes. Yes, you do. At least you're supposed to. That's what no, the book no, tells I definitely, me. I definitely know them. Yeah, whatever. Okay, yeah, I guess, I guess we can hang out. Um, where do we go, or where do I need to go? <sighs> That's a good question. Let me do something uh, real quick. And she walks in <laughs> to your place, goes over to the couch, sits down, opens up her book. Looking at the book, you see that the letters and symbols and numbers written on the pages seem to shift and move of their own volition. Some appear, some disappear. And she starts muttering to herself and pulls out a quill and starts writing in the book. But the quill is not making any marks. The letters and numbers and symbols, however, change the pacing and the speed and the patterns in which they appear. So very quickly, one pattern will appear on the left-hand side of the left page. Then very slowly, another pattern will appear on the right-hand side of the left-hand page. Some of these patterns walk from one page to the next and back again. Some of them seem to skip around a little bit. Eventually, they sort of coalesce 
into this unusual teardrop shape that part of you recognizes it's a teardrop. There's a line, a squiggly line going vertically through it. It might almost be a map. There's some veins crisscrossing the teardrop that have somewhat geometric patterns to them. And she starts circling the quill closer and closer to a particular point. And then she looks up at you. You should probably go downtown. You should park at Corn Hill and take a walk. Take a walk? Yes. I would suggest walking along the river, but maybe on the other side from Corn Hill. Okay. Do you want to come with me? I can't. I have to be somewhere else right now. Well, shortly. But maybe it is right now. I don't know. Things are happening faster than they should, and the schedule is not going as it really needed to. Okay, okay. I guess we need to hurry. No, no, you need to hurry. I need to go somewhere else. So put your pants on, and I will see you later. And with that, she slams the book closed and walks out, leaving the door open behind her. Azov closes the door behind her and picks out some less fancy clothing, probably some jeans or whatever. All right. And he kind of accepts his fate and (laughs) gets on his way to, what was it, Cornhill? Cornhill, yes. By the river. Because uh, demon business sounds a lot more interesting than anything else. (laughs) So while you are driving, I will slip over to the other three. I believe all three of you are traveling together, if memory serves. Yes, Esme has taken everybody in her car. Okay. Lily's cell phone goes off. Hello? Lily, where are you? In a car? You you recognize the sound of her ex-husband's voice. You do realize you're supposed to be at a dance recital right now, right? Right, right. I'm so sorry. Just something came up, you know, work. Work? This was the problem to begin with. Do you not remember? That and the drugs. I really don't have the time for this. I'm really sorry. You don't have... Fine, whatever. And he just hangs up. I wanted to hang up. (laughs) (laughs) Is everything okay? Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. By the way, what's this dance recital thing? I assume Lily knows about it. At least, like, vaguely. Her daughter's in a dance class, and, you know, this is a dance recital day. You know, the kids get up on stage in their little costumes and outfits, and they're sloppy, but it's adorable because they're young. And all the parents get to see them getting better over the years as they continue to practice. Uh, Could we perhaps make a small detour? Where do I need to go? I sort of say the address or wherever the recital is. All right, and then Esme will sidetrack us by taking us to the Lily's location. (laughs) Take that fate. (laughs) okay so you guys were driving from the 19th ward um along brooks ave up to ford street instead of continuing on towards the homeless encampment downtown that is fairly well known you instead go up exchange boulevard end up taking that up to state street and well i'll dispense with the details but esme recognizes the area that they're heading towards, and so does Lauren. In fact, as you pull into the parking lot of the Hungerford building, Lauren recognizes this, or should I say, Brawlman recognizes this as where he woke up inside Lauren. So this 
This is like where I live then? Yep. Okay. And there is a small dance studio right on the edge in one of the lower levels. We're right by my house. Great. Lauren, perhaps you and I can distract ourselves while Lily does what's required of her. Yes, of course. I'd be happy to perhaps show you my my apartment. Suit yourselves as Lily goes towards the dance recital. Okay. The dance studio itself is very unassuming on the outside. It looks like it is built into the old loading dock of this industrial building. There's a wall that was clearly for trucks to back up to for loading and unloading, which is now a large window. And opening the door, there's a short hallway. The office is on the right with the window. There's all these various posters for adult lessons, salsa, tango, a lot of swing dancing sessions. The main room has two large columns coming up through the floor made from concrete. The far wall on the right-hand side is all mirrors. And there's about a dozen little girls in you know, tights, skirts, and tight shirts. Various, you know, it's sort of a hodgepodge of outfits, all showing off their various moves. Um, some are doing, you know, trying to do ballroom steps. Some are trying to do ballet steps. And of course, there's, you know, folding chairs for all of the parents to sit at. And standing against the wall next to a table talking with another father is Lily's ex. And as Lily <sighs> walks up, this is like the fifth one she's missed. It's constant with her. I don't know what the hell has happened this past year, but she is just out of her mind. Oh, please, Ron. It's not no. like you, it's no. not like you've been to any before the divorce. We're not going to get into that here. We are here for our daughter, and that's it. Right. At least she showed up this time. So, and we will cut to Lauren and Esme as they go up to Lauren's apartment. So I'm kind of just leading Esme up to where my where my door is and sort of showing her different things along the way. And when we finally get to my door, I'm going to point to the, the next door over to mine. This is where my neighbor Brian lives. He he plays in a band. Uh, Lauren has had some some fond memories, fun memories with him, but mostly he gets on her nerves. Well, Oh, for what? Just, uh, you know, just living too close to somebody. It's, it's hard for, for all humans, I guess. Well, anyways, let's go inside. And I, oh. I unlock the door and I kind of just like open it up and I motion for, for her to go in first. And Esme will walk in, kind of surveying the room around and, you, you know, for your neighbor, if you'd like, I can set you up a, a, a chart to help you not aggravate them as much or them, you, or, um, hmm, as she's starting to get distracted by Lauren's room. It sounds like someone is either tuning or otherwise fiddling around with a bass guitar in the next room. A whole lot of strumming. Occasionally, the sound of a cymbal comes through the wall, but nothing, no actual music. It's always like this. That sounds distracting. You should live somewhere else. Well, no, it's it's fine. I I appreciate what Brian does, or Lauren appreciates what he does. Well, he's he's not he's not the worst. Anyways, if you'll have a look around, you can 
see some of the things I've been working on. And all around the room, there'll be like half-finished projects, basically, and just like tools thrown about everywhere. Lots of like metalworking stuff, uh, hammers, lots of just like dust and, you know, kind of like debris on the ground as well. Esme will go towards one of the unfinished metalworking projects and pick it up delicately between her hands, rotating it around. You, you've mentioned Lauren several times. I'm, does she still speak to you? I feel her. I always feel her. She's a part of me, a part of who I am now. Before I was just me, stuck in, in an abyss. And now I'm not, and I'm with her. She was a maker, like myself, like yourself. Looking visibly upset, Esme will put the creation back down and turn squarely at Lauren. This is a nice home you have. Um, I need some air. Let's go back and find Lily. And then I'll, um, I'll kind of like motion for her to, to walk out first, and I'll lock up behind her. As you guys step out of the apartment, the hallway distinctly smells of pot. Lots of it, too. I don't necessarily know if Brahman would, like, think anything of that. Brian's burning his strange incense again. Mm. The sounds of the bass guitar continue as you guys leave. Stepping outside, it is still very cold and very brisk. You realize that the interior of the building was not as warm as it could be. Walking across the parking lot towards the dance studio, you see a few people hanging around outside smoking cigarettes. To the left, there's a small loading dock that looks like it's been converted into some sort of garage. A few guys are working on a motorcycle, smoking cigarettes and sharing beers. I would be trying to just walk right past them into wherever I saw Lily go into. As you walk past, you hear a few cat calls. Nothing particularly offensive. Fairly mild in the grand scheme of things. Climb the stairs to the dance studio. You open the door. You hear the noise of children. You hear some music going. And you see Lily standing there talking to a rather tall gentleman who looks very unhappy. And Slavic, looking at you, Lily and her husband, or her ex rather, have continued to argue in hushed tones, trading barbs back and forth, I imagine. At least he's intending to do so. You know, at a certain point, if let's just call the ch- Lily's child Annie, okay. he'll if she'll just t- tell Ron to shut up when she's when she can see her. You know, no arguing in f- front of the kid. And Ron will, of course, turn back. Look, I'm not the one who forgot her at daycare. Okay, I'm not the one that she found passed out on the couch from God knows what combination of drugs. Are there any water pipes above him? Can I feel water (laughs) somewhere? Yes, you can feel water flowing through the floor below him. Okay, then. I'll use Lore of the Storms to summon the water out and make it burst through the pipe and make it wet. (laughs) All right, roll. Stamina plus survival. Difficulty six. And I'm going to go ahead and pop a willpower on this because this is important stuff. (laughs) Okay. There we go. Okay, two successes, which should be enough to summon a shower of water. Let's see here. So there's this weird groaning sound that ends with a loud crack 
as a pipe pops up through the floor, snapping some of the wood, the wooden slats in the floor, and just sprays Ron with water. God, son of a... What the hell? Staggers back against the wall, slips, knocks a chair out of his way as he slides out of the you know spray of water. The kids, of course, start laughing and shrieking. Oh my god! And other parents are like hustling to move away from the water. And the head of the dance studio comes out. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! What are we going to do? She runs into the basement, down a set of stairs. And after a few minutes, the, the water starts to ebb and eventually dry up. The woman running the studio comes up back upstairs. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, but we're going to have to end it here. I need to uh, call a plumber. So thank you for coming. We appreciate your participation, and I hope you have a lovely rest of the weekend. And then she sort of politely hustles everyone out the door. Are you okay, Ron? Yeah, I'll be fine. And yes, that is where Lauren and Esme come in. (laughs) Ron's staying there sopping wet. He goes over to get Annie. Hands her her coat and her boots. Annie runs over. Mommy! Mommy! You're hey, still Annie. not my real mommy. Yeah, but I have chocolate. Yes, you do. Where is it? Uh, I, uh, Lily sort of takes out chocolate uh, from her purse and saying, yeah, you know, milk. Just how you like it. Thanks, mommy. Sort of. And she just grabs the chocolate and runs back over to Ron. Uh, nice kid. And she runs back over. That was really funny. And then runs back to Ron. Sort of laughs at her. Uh, So, I assume you'll be taking her then, Ron? Yeah, it's my weekend. Yeah. Uh, Just remember not to let her eat too much chocolate. Why do you keep giving it to her in the first place? Well, someone has to. But, you know, it's also about self-control. She's a child. You know what? Never mind. We're just going to go. Come on, Annie. Let's go. Coming, Daddy! And they leave. And after a few minutes, it's just the three of you, puddle of water, and a very frustrated dance studio owner. Oh, you should probably check if this building's still up to code. You know, the landlord was here not that long ago, and he double-checked everything. I think that there were some complaints from the other side of the building. Old pipes. (laughs) Terrible issue. I I know this from personal experience, you know. I deal in real estate. (sighs) Terrible and expensive. Well, if you'll excuse me, I need to, you know, close up and get some stuff taken care of. So if you wouldn't mind. Oh, yeah, of course. Have a nice weekend. Thank you. And the dance studio owner, she's an older woman in her late 50s, long black hair, wearing a very flowery hippie dress, storms into her office and slams the door as you guys leave. Very angry hippie. And now you are in the parking lot. I suppose we can go to the homeless encampment now. Yeah, we we can go there, but wasn't that a bit much? Eh, it's the most exciting thing these people saw in decade, probably. World is so boring sometimes. Lily gets the side eye from Esme as she opens up the car and has a seat in the driver's spot. Lauren mentions to Lily as a are walking towards the car. I didn't realize you had a family. Oh, Lily had one, so I'm sort of stuck with them. The child is nice, but the ex-husband gets on my nerves. And I just uh, open the door and, and uh, sit myself down in the back seat. But he doesn't even know how to hunt. Not that many people in 
the cities do anymore. A shame. And with that, we will head to the homeless camp. Okay. Now, Esme and Lauren naturally sensed that Lily used a lore to cause that to happen. Across town, however, Oliver, can you give me a perception plus alertness roll, difficulty seven? Sure. Somewhere to the northeast, someone used a lore. The northeast of your position. Now, this happens. You, d- you sense this as you are walking around. Where do you go after you park at the Cornhill area? Well, you were saying that Azov is feeling uneasy as he uh, entered Rochester, right? Yes. So this is a bit distressing to him because it's been going on for a little while now. And I think he's uh, on high alert regarding uh, him noticing someone using lures. Whereas he usually doesn't really pay much attention, I think. Mm. So I was looking on the map, and I guess uh, the best I was able to look at is the Exchange Boulevard. Is that where you meant? Yep. Mm. You can park on Exchange Boulevard. There's a little parking lot of sorts attached to a trail that goes along the Genesee River. Right. So I think Azov just walks along that trail, okay. trying to... like. Get a better grasp on on where someone could have been using that lore. Okay. Is it across from the river or on his side? It's coming from the northeast, which, unfortunately, with only two successes, you just have a direction, a general direction, but you don't have any idea of distance. Okay. So is he walking north or south along the river? I'd say he's walking north, if that is the general direction that he's getting. Okay. He passes the Cornhill Landing area, which is a variety of small businesses, including a couple of restaurants. And as he continues north, he finds himself underneath the bridge that carries 490 across the river, the Susan B. Anthony Frederick Douglass Bridge. Looking out across the river, he notices a series of tents, tarps, clothing hanging from a chain-link fence that is leaning a little bit. It appears to be underneath the highway. As he continues north, there's a parking lot to his left and what looks like a small dam on the river with a hydro station. He comes up through a small, maybe a park, or just a wooded area onto Court Street. He notices as he gets closer up to Court Street that there's a strange scent in the air. It's a combination of river water and barbecue. The barbecue smells delicious. And looking across the river, there's a restaurant, and a large amount of smoke is coming from one of the chimneys there. Across Court Street is a little grassy area. Across the street is the Blue Cross Arena, a lot of uh, athletic events and concerts. Um, now you're at you're standing at Court Street. Do you cross Court Street to continue along the trail? Do you go towards the restaurant? What is Oliver's next move? Uh, I think Oliver... Especially Oliver is going to check it out. <laughs> like Azoth uh, follows this call. Okay. So Azoth will turn right and start walking along Court Street. He'll walk past the Dinosaur Barbecue, which is the source of the barbecue smell that infuses the air, although it is a really weird combination with the river water scent that also pervades the air. As he gets to the corner of Court Street and South Ave, Esme. 
You're driving down South Ave, heading towards the homeless camp. And, oh, hey, look, there's Oliver standing on a street corner. I will pull the car up next to him and unlock the door. Uh, hi. <laughs> I'm, like, scooting down the seat to, like, uh, let him sit in that, you know, because, like, I was sitting in the, the seat of the back seat where the door was open for him, so I'm just, like, scooting over to the next seat. Uh, Oliver, or I guess Azov, sits down in the car and immediately starts with, so this fate weirdo, I forgot her name, Teabag something visited me, and... <laughs> I guess I was supposed to meet you in a way. Do you mean so, yeah, Jane? Yeah. Well, yeah, that that's her. Uh, it's not her name, you know. I mean. Yes, but it feels so uncomfortable to call us by our names. Yeah, exactly. She totally did, and call me by uh, my name, you know. And she's weird. I don't like she, her. She is very weird and confused. She knows our names, and she doesn't quite know what we're supposed to do, but it has something to do with the death of a boy that Esme knew, and we're currently looking for we're currently looking for the boy's mother um okay, and do you have any hints on on the boy or on the mother? Several, but none very concrete. We're currently headed over to a homeless camp not too far from here. Well, all right. Uh, can I grab something to eat first? Then we can go. The yes. homeless camp is like two blocks south, more or less. So, I mean, the barbecue is right there. Okay. Esme will go about parking the car then, and I'm assuming we're all hungry at this point. It's been a long morning. Yes, actually. Um I don't recall any of you stopping to eat breakfast, so you are realizing that your meat suits are starting to get a little woozy and rumbly. Uh, I pick out a Nestle bar out of my purse, and just like, ah, good thing I'm always prepared. That for Annie. That wouldn't suffice for me. I've been in the car all day long. Somehow, even with cars, travel is still very exhausting. Esme parks in the Court Street parking garage which is diagonally across the street from the barbecue joint. Now, within walking distance, there are other eating places. However, that is the closest. Here, let's go here. Let's not get too sidetracked. Agreed. Also, it smells excellent. Esme will make sure to grab her notebook and flip to the page where it has a list of all the different types of foods, and she's getting ready to make a note. It does smell excellent. Um, You guys get in. There's a bit of a wait but not too much of one. They see you. You have a very pleasant, heavy barbecue meal. The food is very, very good. It's very thick, very potatoes, very beef. They offer various forms of alcohol as well. You know, they've got brisket, they've got pulled pork, they've got chicken, they've got you know, house-made bacon. They even offer poutine. I definitely am going to order multiple things, not really taking the the size of the entrees into consideration. And, uh, you know, it's, it's probably going to be way more than I can actually eat. It's probably going to be very expensive, and I'm probably going to be leaving with a, a lot of leftovers. So about seven full-sized plates arrive for Brawlman. I think I've made a terrible mistake. About halfway through the first one, he realizes that Lauren's body simply cannot consume that much food without purging. <laughs> 
Well, more for later, I suppose. Uh, are any of you still hungry? I suppose I can give it to Brian and his friends. Actually, well, I had a thought. We are going to a homeless shelter, after all. Ah, uh, yes, that was the thought. I am, in fact, capable of telepathy. That was a joke. Oh! <laughs> you guys notice the waitress standing there with the bill looking very confused? Well, it's just, you know... Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll pay it. Right. You guys take cards, right? Yes, we she do. She takes out her, like, platinum no, card. No, I, I insist that I pay myself. I'm also fishing uh, cash out of my purse, like I've, like I've seen I'll people do. I'll just give her the card. So do you guys want to split three ways or four ways, or... Don't split it. I'll just pay for it all. You're sure? She's I'm looking sure. at the other others very uncertain as to I, what the um, hell is going on here. I'll tip you 30%. We'll be right back. I look at Lily intently. You know, this is something else I've picked up on TV. The man is always the one who pays. You can't do this. <laughs> uh, that's just on dates, dear. But I'm sure you'll get a hang of it soon. Esme will make a really? note of that in her notebook. Azov looks very, very confused. Then. Can I get a perception alertness roll from all of you, please? Difficulty 7. One success for me. Just one for me. me. Yeah. Echo with 3. Okay. All of you who got one success feel a supernatural effect go off while you're sitting at the table. Becca, with your three successes, you know that the supernatural effect came from the West and that it is fairly close. In fact, it's within walking distance, maybe less than a mile. There's no static effect, though. This is just a pulse of supernatural energy. Esme will sit up in the booth facing the direct direction in which she felt it and just squint her eyes trying to focus on the feeling. She stands up ramrod straight, staring off to the northwest, which incidentally is a wall in the restaurant. Just as the waitress walks up with the card and the check for Lily. Um, are you okay, ma'am? Yeah, she's fine as I take the card. Uh, uh the, the bathroom, where where uh, can we find? Oh, it's right down there. And she points. Right. And Okay. <laughs> I push her in the direction. <laughs> it, oh, it, oh, yes, uh, restroom. Um, okay, and Esme will walk off in that direction. Okay. <laughs> the poor waitress waits patiently for the signature and then walks off with a very confused look on her face. I just, I just smile at the waitress, kind of give her like a, a shrug. What do you know? She just walks off and, you know... Goes to the hostess station real quick, says something to the hostess, and then shoots off to another table. Oh, hello again, folks. I'd like to tell you about the Facebook group we run called White Wolf and Onyx Path RPGs Gameplay and Media. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts or just media in general that deals with your favorite White Wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded? One that won't be drowned out by random posts and discussions, so that your media could give the attention you deserve. 
The group is specifically run with the sole intent of being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. The group is already immense and continuing to rapidly grow, with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there.